New on Curiosity Street. Louis B. Mayer, Jack Warner, William Fox. Hollywood was the city of dreams, but the beginnings were a nightmare. You will never work in this town again! It's Titans, the rise of Hollywood. And Merapi, one of the world's most active volcanoes. Can we better predict its next deadly eruption? A new expedition hunts for life-saving answers on exploring the volcano. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. This is your host, Pamela Clark, and you're listening to Education in the News. Lots of news stories to share with you as usual, so let's get right on into it. First story I have for you tonight is Cape Gazette, or comes from Cape Gazette. They had um, covered this story in Lewes, Delaware. Social worker first in Delaware with national certification. Gloria Ho, a social worker at Milton Elementary School in Milton, Delaware, earned a national certification by the School Social Work Association of America. Ho is the first or the 11th person in the nation to receive the certification and the first person in Delaware. A lot of repeats. This is from WTOPFM, Washington, D.C. A report says that teachers need to know what to tell 911. A report written in response to a January school shooting in Montgomery County, Maryland, recommends that county teachers be trained in what to tell 911 call takers during similar incidents. Call takers also may need additional training for serious incidents at schools, the report says. I'm still here. <laughs> Just getting to the next news story. Thanks for always being so patient with me. I appreciate it. The next stories I have from you comes from Smart Brief on EdTech. And this one, this story was covered by The Day in New London, Connecticut. Students frustrated with the school's internet restrictions. East Lyme High School in East Lyme, Connecticut put strong filters in place to protect their network and eliminate access to inappropriate content. Both students and teachers say these restrictions hinder their ability to do legitimate work. The school's technology head, Benjamin McCarthy, said that the tech team is focusing on making the school better and will be implementing a kiosk at their help desk 
so students can get access to information behind the firewall to help with research. The Associated Press reports that some schools enhanced security following Texas shooting. Schools in some states have enhanced security following a tragic school shooting in Texas last week. Connecticut, Michigan, and New York have more police on campus campuses, plus backpacks and large handbags were banned from schools in a Florida community. Smart Brief on Education reports that um, eliminate misconceptions about CTE, career and technical education courses. They say they should be rigorous and engaging for students and free of stigma, writes Peter Harris, a director of learning and design for career pathways programs in New York. In this blog post, Harris shares how the stigma came to be and why it no longer applies. In the Daily Camera in Boulder, Colorado, says that districts offer online reading interventions. A pilot program of reading interventions for third to fifth graders is being rolled out in Colorado District that found success with online school approaches employed since earlier in the pandemic. Eight schools have signed up to participate with students identified for the program, being those less likely to receive supports because they are on the cusp of reading proficiency. I think I'd shared that before with you, or some version of it. Uh, this is from ASCD Smart Brief. Uh, actually, it's a repeat, so I'm skipping that one. This is from Ohio Ed Updates. Let's try this again. Okay, so this story was close covered by Cleveland Fox 8. It says local teens earn college degree before high school graduation. A local teen has earned a college degree days before her high school graduation. Bay High School senior Olivia Konschok already clenched her associate degree from Cuyahoga Community College ahead of walking the stage to grab hold of her high school diploma on Tuesday. She accomplished this by enrolling in Bay High School's College Credit Plus program, where high school students can dually earn high school and college credits towards their degrees. And the Fostoria Review Times reports that Fostoria graduates 149th group of seniors. Fostoria High School's class of 2022 successfully graduated Saturday, marking the school's 149th annual commencement. After 84 graduates assembled in the Fostoria High School gymnasium, junior and senior high school principal Michael Daring gave an opening speech reflecting on the students' journey through school. Quote, for the students setting in front of you, this day represents the culmination of years of hard work and determination, he said. Quote, we cannot be more proud of these students and all that they have accomplished over the past six years. And Lorraine Morning Journal reported that Midview Schools honored as Ohio's only Project Lead the Way Distinguished District. Midview Local Schools announced May 27th that for the second year in a row, 
the district was recognized as a 2021 and 2022 project lead the way distinguished districts for its com commitment to increasing student access, engagement and achievement in science, technology, engineering, and math programming. Midview is one of the 13 districts in the nation to earn such an honor and the only Ohio school district, according to a news release. East Liverpool Review reports that two Southern local students to attend Buckeye Boys and Girls State Two Southern local high school juniors have been chosen as delegates for the Ohio American Legion's 2022 Buckeye Boys and Girls State Program this summer. Students Eric Calusi and Grace Brothers will represent the school during events in, on June 12th through the 19th. With Calusi going to Miami University in Oxford and Brothers headed to Mount Union University in Alliance. They, they are being sponsored by American Legion, John Adams Post 442, in Salinville. The Warren Tribune Chronicle reports that Howland's sixth grader tapped for Gettysburg performance. Coming next fall, Dominique Morataya will be a sixth grade at Holland, or Howland Middle School and he will be playing taps at Gettysburg National Cemetery. Dominic, who is 11 years old, is slated to play the iconic 24-note call in September as part of the 100 Nights of Taps. Every evening from Memorial Day through September 11th, a bugler will sound taps in the cemetery at 7 p.m. to honor those laid to rest there. Cleveland.com reports that Medina City School students celebrate an end-of-school year in style. Medina City School students who were looking forward to the end-of-the-year dance party on Public Square Thursday, which was held on Mar May 26, had to move their expectations to the gym and playground around the corner at Garfield Elementary School. Hundreds of elementary and middle school students enjoyed the games, music, pizza, and a chance to congregate with friends following the last day of school. According to Amy Bus Busby, or Boosby, Director of Community Relations for the school district, the celebration first occurred seven years ago, and since then it is eagerly anticipated each year. Unfortunately, the event was not held for the last three years due to the coronavirus pandemic. Portsmouth, da Portsmouth Daily Times reports that the Kiwanis Club of Portsmouth pres presents scholarships to local graduates. On May 11th, the Kiwanis Club of Portsmouth presented Kiwanis scholarships for $1,000 each to four Scioto County High School graduates. Dr. Sunil Ahuja, provost of Shawnee State University, helped to present the scholarship awards and provide an SSU update to the club. The Kiwanis Scholarship is awarded each year by the Kiwanis Club of Portsmouth to qualified and deserving high school graduates of Scioto County Schools and desirous of pursuing coursework leading to a degree at Shawnee State University. And Warren Tribune Chronicle reports that schools seek to help students find Zen. 
Students at Champion Central Elementary School and Mineral Ridge High School took part this spring in a special relaxation and meditation program to help students improve their mental health and also be calm as they handled schoolwork. Alexandra Nanakola, principal at Champion Central, said before the school year ended, she wanted to provide the relaxation sessions with each grade level, kindergarten to fourth, using chimes and singing bowls. Nanakola had students sit comfortably on the floor with their eyes closed. And WFAEFM and Charlotte, North Carolina reports that math learning gaps widen for North Carolina students. Math learning losses for middle school students in North Carolina have spiked, with losses ranging from 7 to 15 months being reported. A report from the state's Office of Learning Recovery and Acceleration finds and the state has boosted funding for summer and after-school learning programs to help bridge these gaps. In my opinion, even before um, COVID or the pandemic, um, there was already that much of a gap. So that's from what I see. Then San Diego Community Newspaper Group reported that California school social workers support the whole family. Social workers with La Mesa Spring Valley Schools in California have implemented several strategies aimed at supporting students' mental health during the pandemic, including training sessions for parents and short-term counseling support. Quote, I've seen students having trouble regulating emotions managing social situations, and even young students questioning their worth and ability to continue living, says district social worker Lauren Oppenheimer. That is so sad, isn't it? That's not right. And he's, um, have a repeat again, just a moment. This is uh, from Stevens Point Journal in Wisconsin. Wisconsin High School serves up H. Mung Mills. Stevens Point Area Senior High School students in Wisconsin have been serving H. Mung Mills this school year through a pilot program operated in part by a local nonprofit. The mills are provided using locally produced ingredients. Never heard of H. Mung Mills. Maybe I'm saying it wrong, but I wouldn't need to look that up. I'm not sure what that is. More repeats. I say that a lot, don't I? Uh, Philanthropy, Philanthropy News Digest reports that the University of Louisville announces a $47 million gift for a health campus. The gift from Christian, or I'm sorry, Christina Lee Brown was, will establish a permanent home for the school's Brown's Envirome Institute, addressing the relationship of the environment to human health 
and create a nexus for community engagement in downtown Louisville. And Permian Basin Area Foundation has awarded $2.3 million, a total of 37 organizations serving West Texans were awarded grants, or these grants. Black Americans face barriers in pursuing and succeeding in tech careers. Based on audience net survey of more than a thousand black Americans, the report from jobs for the future found that reason, reasons for not working in the sector included not knowing where to start, feeling that they don't have the right skills and financial constraints. And the Wallace Foundation commits to $100 million to arts organizations of color. The five-year initiative to foster equi equitable improvements in the arts will fund 18 BIPOC-centered art groups to develop projects that address organizations' specific challenges, each to be documented by researchers seeking to understand the relationship between community, orientation, relevance, and resilience. Waymakers Collective awards $4.5 million across Appalachia. The non-traditional funding collaborative distributed funds to 51 organizations and individuals representing a diverse array of artists and activists in support of equitable justice, creative cooperation, sustainable stewardship across the Appalachian region. Public Welfare Foundation awards $4 million for justice reform. Seven organizations will receive $500,000 each to enhance staffing, technology, strategic planning, and operating reserves for the Foundation's key justice reform partners, and additional $500,000 will be directed to advocacy and coalition buildings in Georgia. Okay, this is a new story from Fee, and <clears throat> to see the entire story, you can go to fee.org and type in this title with KaiPod, K-A-I-P-O-D, Parents Decide What Their Children Learn. One education entrepreneur is trying to put parents back in charge of their children's curriculum while creating a collaborative, cost-effective space for learning. Curriculum battles in public schools across the U.S. have reached a fever pitch in recent years, with parents and politicians fighting about what ch children should and should not be taught. The Cato Institute's Neil McCluskey keeps a running list of these battles. Explaining that rather than building bridges, public schooling often forces people into wrenching zero-sum conflict. Private education models, along with the school choice policies that enable parents... New on Curiosity Street, Louis B. Mayer, Jack Warner, William Fox. Hollywood was the city of dreams, but the beginnings were a nightmare. You will never work in this town again! It's Titans, The Rise of Hollywood. And... 
Merapi, one of the world's most active volcanoes. Can we better predict its next deadly eruption? A new expedition hunts for life-saving answers on exploring the volcano. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. New on CuriosityStream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. To exit an assigned district school if they are dissatisfied helps to avoid these public school battles. Parents can choose the learning environment for their children that best fits their individual needs and preferences without fighting a political war on the school board floor. From curriculum to educational philosophy, private education models offer the variety of personalization and learning options that one-size-fits-all government-run schools cannot. School choice policies that enable education dollars to follow students directly rather than going to school districts allow lower and middle-income families across to this diversity of options that higher-income families have long enjoyed. One education entrepreneur is trying to put parents back in charge of their children's curriculum by creating a collaborative, cost-effective space for learning. Amar Kumar is the founder of KaiPod Learning, a venture capital-backed education startup that brings together the best of online learning with crucial in-person social experiences and adult mentorship. He joined um, he joined a, an episode of Liberated Ed podcast that you can listen to as well when you go to this. And um, there is more to the article as well, but I want to stop there. I think you've got the main um, idea. But New Heights has been doing this for, you know, over 16 years, powering parents, trying to get parents to take ownership um, of, you know, their children's education and, and, and helping them to understand that, the school systems work for them. They don't work for the school systems. Of course, the school systems don't want them thinking that way, but we try to advocate and, and empower them to understand that. This is another, um, some more news from Philanthropy News Digest. It says events reemerged as strong fundraising tools in 2021 study finds. The annual report from Classy, an online giving platform, found that events generated 49% increased in donation volume in 2021, and peer-to-peer -peer fundraising had a 47% conversion rate. GWE receives $3.5 million bequest from Jeffrey S. Ackman. The commitment from Ackman and his husband, Stephen Zola, will support the Ackman Innovative Fund which provides seed grants and pilot funding to launch student, resident, and faculty projects and GW School of Medicine and Health Sciences. IBM 
is going to be investing $5 million in public school cybersecurity resilience. Ten grants, each valued at $500,000 in professional services and in-kind resources, will provide six schools in the United States and four in Brazil, Costa Rica, Ireland, and the United Arab Emirates with tools and expertise to update operating systems, provide cybersecurity and training, and develop communication plans for use in the event of a cyber attack. St. George's School receives $15 million from a board chair. The gift from an alumni or alumnus, Dana Smoltz, from 1985, and his wife, Kate Enroth, is the largest single gift to St. George's Census founding in 1896 as an Episcopal boarding school. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we're going to be right back. Join the New Heights Show on education as you want to support or donate to our organization. Please visit www.newheightseducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store. Well, welcome back to Education in the News on the New Heights Show on Education. This is Pamela Clark, your host. And the next story I have for you is covered by Jezebel, and it's titled, Eighth Grade Project Leads to Salem Witch Trial Exoneration. Elizabeth Johnson, Jr., who was accused of witchcraft in 1692 during the Salem Witch Trials, has been exonerated thanks to the efforts of a class of students in North Andover, Massachusetts. A bill resulting from the research was passed this week, clearing Johnson's name after more than 300 years. Now, this was dated um, 5, uh, 526, so 22, so just so you know the timeline there. Edu- Education Week covered this story, and it says, Con school leaders share EdTech tips. Schools should strike the right balance between technology and in-person interactions, suggests Khan Academy founder and CEO Sal Khan. Desert Sands Unified School District Technology Facilitator Sally Adams in Anaheim Union High School District Instructional Coach Lori Manville. They recently shared tips to help improve education technology, including being mindful of tech fatigue. Edutopia reports that uh, steps you take when adopting DEI practices. There has been a significant push in the last two years for diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, across all organizations, including in education, writes Lorena German, a middle school teacher and co-founder of the Multicultural Classroom, and Roberto German, executive director and co-founder of Multicultural Classroom. In this article, they share strategies to help school leaders bring DEI in their practices, such as identifying school-based partners and peers around the U.S. who are engaged in similar efforts.
The next bit of news I have for you is from Ohio Ed Update. And the first one is from the Canton Repository. Richard Leon steps in as Perry's assistant superintendent. After a year of Perry High School principal, Richard Leon will take on a new role as Perry Local's assistant superintendent. Leon replaces Nate Stutz, who was named the district's top administrator early this month, following Scott Beatty's retirement announcement. At a special meeting Thursday, the Board of Education unanimously approved Leon's appointment BIA a three-year contract beginning August the 1st, 2022. And the Dayton Daily News reports the Beaver Creek academic team wins six-state title and heads to nationals. The Beaver Creek High School varsity academic team will get a chance to reclaim its Quiz Bowl national title this weekend after winning the state championship earlier this month. Seniors Alan Z. Or, or Zai, I'm not sure, um, and Arun Zankar and Shorjo Ganguli and sophomore Anna uh, Kong or no, Quang maybe, competed against 17 Ohio teams at Northmont High School, securing the team's sixth consecutive state championship. Youngstown NBC 21 reports that Lakeview study, or student graduates from college and high school in the same year. Um, yeah, we I shared this earlier, actually. So I'm going to skip that one. Um, this is from Portsmouth Daily Times. It says FBP... Um, which is Floor BWXT STEAM Scholarship, but it's FBP Award STEM Scholarship to three Scioto County students. Three Scioto County students were the recipients of the 2022 Floor BWXT um, STEAM Scholarship, a one-time $2,000 reward. Each year, FBP awards 12 college scholarships to area high school students, pursuing careers in science, technology, engineering, art, and math. And uh, more than 100 applicants for the scholarships were received this year. Cleveland.com reports that Orange School students learned about force motion through Pinewood Derby. Moreland Hills Elementary School second graders study force in motion, culminating with the annual Pinewood Derby contest in May. The four finalists were Henry Sanders, who got first place, Cecilia Kangas, second place, and Taryn Gluck and Matthew Wong tied for the third place. Students designed their own cars and had to make the decision of whether or not to add weight to their vehicles, knowing that various forces change the motion of an object. And Mahoning Matters reports that real-world practical applications in Boardman students study the science of stormwater. Boardman Glenwood Junior High School students are working out solutions to the real-life flooding issues 
the township faces in getting hands-on experience with stormwater science. At a stormwater management conference with 200 attendees earlier this month in Sandusky, Boardman's Project Stream students presented some of their work on a restoration project, along with the polluted Boardman Ditch. The southeastern stretch of Cranberry Run, which wraps around Boardman's Forest Lawn Memorial Park. Next stories I have for you are from Smart Brief on EdTech again. I'm seeing a lot of repeats again. The Associated Press reported that Cardona, uh, U.S. must act to prevent school violence. U.S. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona said Thursday during a House Education and Labor Committee hearing that the U.S. needs to take action to prevent school shootings. Cardona, in his remarks in the wake of the tragic shooting in Uvalde, Texas, said the country cannot normalize such incidents. I say it, I feel like I say it every show, employ veterans, give veterans jobs. There, I think there's like over 385,000 veterans that aren't employed. I mean, come on, give them a job. Let them protect our schools. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm so aggravated. It seems like, you know, they've thought of it. And if they wanted a real solution, they would make it happen. Anyway, so uh, U.S. News and World Report uh, says that school nutrition pros face dire supply chain woes. School nutrition professionals nationwide report significant challenges caused by the supply chain challenges and inflation as well as rising gas prices. Jillian Mayer Director of nonprofit No Kid Hungry said the situation is dire, parentheses, and many school nutrition professionals expect next year will even be worse. I believe it. WCBS TV and WLNY TV in New York City says the nonprofit helps underrepresented people get into tech. The Knowledge House offers free training program to help individuals prepare for careers, technology, and accepting applications from interested people in four cities, including New York, Newark, New Jersey. Quote, we really wanted to bring this program and unapologetically is saying that people of color, black and brown students, and other marginalized communities need to be involved in the tech career, said Michelle Holder of Brick Education Network, a Knowledge House partner. Smart Brief on Education reported that education chaos in Ukraine, U.S. faces tragedy. Russia's war against Ukraine continues, but the Ukrainians are showing remarkable resilience and determination to stay educated while they stay, stay safe. Meanwhile, to Tuesday's 
horrific mass shooting at an elementary school in Texas brings about frustration over the deja vu and sparks conversations about how to prevent this in the future. Um, this was covered from a Michigan Advance in Lansing, Michigan. And the title is Detroit Schools Focus on Cultural Inclusion and Civics. Schools in the Detroit Public Schools Community Districts have adopted a new approach to teaching high school civics by including a focus on local history and city government that promotes community engagement and cultural inclusion. Superintendent Nicola Vetti says the goal to grow empowerment among students and civic engagement. K-12 Dive reports that U.S. lawmakers discuss national teacher shortages. Lawmakers on Wednesday discussed the nationwide teacher shortage during a virtual house labor health and human services, education, and related agencies subcommittee hearing. Not a mouthful? Desiree Carver-Thomas, a researcher and policy analyst at Learning Policy Institute, urged long-term solutions and investments. So it from that one. This is from Ohio Ed Updates. And Oberlin, Oberlin's uh, Kurt Russell was named 2022 National Teacher of the Year. And he is a teacher at Oberlin High School in Oberlin City School District. FM Kirby Foundation announces $6.1 million in grants. The majority of the grants will provide unrestricted funding to nonprofits working to foster self-reliance and create strong, healthy, healthy communities, including continued pandemic-related support and increased contributions to long-term partners. And... Um, Hilton Foundation awards more than $50 million in the first quarter grants. Grants were awarded to 12 organizations across the Foundation's programs, including Catholic Sisters, Foster Youth and Global Early Childhood Development, Homelessness, Opportunity Youth, and Refugees. Okay, we're going to take another quick commercial break. We will be right back. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group educational resources to help reach your goals. At One Day University, 
we feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly Scholar Newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. When Big Mobile charges you an arm and a leg, they're taking your money and your power. And your arm and leg. Boost Mobile gives your power back with an unlimited plan for $25 a month on one of America's largest 5G networks. We can't give you back your arm and your leg because we're not qualified surgeons. Unless you're an iguana who can grow limbs back. Switch to Boost and get an unlimited plan for $25 a month. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. New customers only. One line, $25 per month with auto pay. Additional restrictions apply. See BoostMobile.com for details. Hello, welcome back to Education in the News, the New Heights Educational Group, or New Heights Show on Education. Um, this is Pamela Clark, your host. And um, the next story I have for you is from Fee. And there was a story, it's a, an older one that they're kind of sharing again. I thought it was worth sharing, but it's, it's titled Five Huge Differences Between Work and School. And it, it says it matters because many young Americans put off remunerative work until after they finish school. This was written by Jeffrey A. Tucker, by the way. And it says 13 reasons why is a growing emotional drama of how high school student Anna Baker ends up taking her own life. The social scene at her school inflicts bursting wounds and ever-deepening pain. The school itself becomes associated with the torment of her heart and soul as her peers drive her ever further into pits of despair. Life is not at all grim. Her home is a respite. There are also three commercial settings that play an amelorating role. And I said that wrong. Her father's drugstore is a happy place. A coffee shop is where she tries to reform genuine friendships. But I'm particularly intrigued by a few scenes that show her working at a commercial movie theater. Dressed in a crisp uniform, she serves up popcorn to patrons. These scenes are few, but they are universally safe, affirming, and happy. The contrast raises the question, what are the differences between work and school? It matters because many young Americans put off this type of work until after they finish school. They enter real life outside of school and unprepared for what they are going to face and carry with them many of the bad habits and even pathologies they picked up during their 16 years of schooling. Here are five key differences between work and school. Number one, obedience versus production. In school, they are enforced rules that are supposed to be obeyed by everyone, and there is very, very little room for adjusting them in the light of differences between individuals. Compliance is an end in itself so long as you adhere to the rules, and especially if you are getting good grades. Whether you can do what, which you can do if you say on test precisely what you are supposed to say and learn what you are supposed to learn, you are a success. There is nothing going on beyond this. You are not paid to attend, and after 12th grade, you are expected to pay to attend. 
In the workplace, by contrast, the ideal is productivity, which ultimately means creating value for others. There are rules, but they are subject to non-arbitrary tests. Uh, are we achieving the goal of production itself? Question mark. You are paid because someone thinks you can be a valuable contributor to that goal. A portion of the company revenue occurs to you, which also implies some return obligation. The rules are adaptive, constantly changing according to circumstances. They seek to reward good outcomes according to the individual, the team, on or the purpose. Excuse me. Two, force versus choice. In school, no matter how bad the social environment gets, how grim the hurt feelings, however much suffering you face, you have to keep coming back day after day, year after year. The same people, the same problems, this is just taken for granted. It is your fate. You surrender to the idea that there is no escape. And why do you be they believe this? Because it is true. There is no escape. Compulsory attendance laws passed some hundred years ago, created when the American schooling model and underlying structure rooted in legal violence, because these laws were ultimately enforced by the violence of the state. If you think about it, that was the original sin of American schooling. On the other hand, in the workplace, for all the problems and interventions and even bad bosses and lame co-workers, you are always free to quit and find another job. You enjoy the right to exit. You are a paid volunteer. The right alone takes the sting out and incentivizes cooperative behavior. There are no truancy laws. You can shop around. You can even choose not to work at all. It means that everyone there is there by choice and has that job because someone wants to pay them to do it. There is no substructure of violence. There is no choice at the heart of the workplace. That alone changes the dynamic of social and uh, of the social environment. Number three, age-based tribe and the individual. From preschool through the final graduation, you are generally told to stay with your age-based tribe. This is your peer group. You have no responsibilities to anyone younger. You are not directly or consistently influenced by people who are more mature. It's just you and your age-based friends ruled by external authority structures. You move together. You age together. You will always be in the exact situation with little to no prospects of mo for mobility. You are an artificial environment that doesn't exist in any other setting in life and certainly not in the workplace. Then you graduate and your social networks turn to dust. The workplace includes people of varying ages and it is completely normal for excellence to be rewarded with growing salaries and responsibilities. Your peers are far more diverse than ever were in school and that leads to different expectations and opportunities. You can be lame and ambitious, lazy or aspirational, unproductive and super valuable. Your future depends on the choices you make and you are constantly interacting with a wider demographic of people from whom you can learn and whom you can influence. 
It is a much more fluid and natural social situation. What you do makes a difference in the quality of your life and your place in the hierarchy. Number four, knowing information versus discovery. In school, most everything you are asked to learn is already known. There are textbooks and manuals and experts and committees. You are a part of a system that changes only slowly and according to the priorities of politics and bureaucracies. It's fine to be curious, but only about what other people want you to know. There's only one reward for learning, a higher grade. And what you learn has already been mastered better by others who are assigned to be your authorities. Your job is to become the best possible parrot. This is what it means to be an excellent student. Deviating from the course makes you a problem student. At work again, under the ideal creativity and discovery, are valued and rewarded. People who look only for rules to follow only rise so far. To disrupt the routine to think of and try the unknown is what every profit-seeking industry demands. It is not always easy and the tendency toward inertia is always present. But every business must learn to adapt, to change, and to reward those who are willing to step up and take risks to discover something new. Number five, cruelty versus civility. So long as you are getting the grades and adhering to the rules, there is no downside to misbehaving towards um, misbehaving toward others in a school setting. Despite the appearance of order, structures of authority, and endless rules, students end up constructing their own underworlds. And those worlds have radically misaligned incentives that the adults cannot manage, resulting in unchecked pathology, the kind of pathologies that always develop among groups of incarcerated human beings. How many times I have thought about that? I mean, just think about it. It's not about what the teachers do to the students. It's what students do to each other. This follows the tendency in any incarceration. Fellow inmates are generally more threatening than guards and wardens. Cruelty becomes hab hab habitual, though often hidden and quiet, something whispered between good friends. You choose your tribe in prison. It's never safe to be without a gang. You denounce former friends. You choose new ones. You join others in making fun of the person in the out group or rewarding those in group or in the in group. You have no obligations to be courteous, decent, or kind, and you are neither punished nor rewarded for your treatment of your peers except by peers themselves. You have no concern for the larger consequences of your actions. This cultivates a certain pettiness and leads students to believe that savvy social navigation, even at the expense of others, is their main task. This is what they get good at, and humanizing others is not only punished, but it is often rewarded. In a professional workspace or place, in contrast, all employees learn to separate Workflow conflicts from personal conflicts. P 
People who personalize gripes through gossip, backstabbing, or passive-aggressive performances do not earn the trust and respect of others and thus do not succeed, do not rise, do not last. The shortest-term employees are those who play politics as if it were middle school. Those who rise above personality to focus on productivity, earn the respect of others, and rise in the company. And there are certain conventions. For instance, you never, under any circumstance, use your position or title to wage personal battles that have nothing to do with work. You can get away with this for a while, but it doesn't last. At the end of the 13 Reasons Why, there is a highly symbolic moment in which Hannah walks into the movie theater, turns in her uniform, and walks out the door. This scene shows us what it means to give up on something in which you are succeeding because you cannot handle the failures that exist outside the space. She was brutally victimized by the other half of life, the part that exists outside of the civilized, courteous, and adult environment of the workplace. Her work provided her solace, but it was not enough to overcome the impossible odds against her in school. The story of Hannah is an extreme case with a terrible ending, but the case is neither neither purely fictional nor entirely isolated, and it serves as a stand-in for the emotional sufferings of millions. All the anti-bullying campaigns in the world will not fix the problem. Behavioral controls and counseling will not either. The core problem has to be addressed. Schooling, as we know it, is an institute built by force, funded by force, and populated through force, thus insulating students from regular incentives towards civilized life and leaving them unprotected from unchecked exploitation and abuse. Wow, what a fantastic article. I loved it. Reminds me of some of the things John Taylor Gatto used to talk about. If you don't know who he is, you should visit our site and take a look under the Learning Annex at our suggested videos that we tell people they should really watch if they really want to understand what's happening in schools and why schools don't work. Okay, so moving on. We're, we're getting awfully close to the end of the day, um, end of the show, but I think I can squeeze a few more in. This is um, some news from Ohio Ed Updates, and this is from New Philadelphia Times Reporter. Indian Valley Superintendent to re- receive state recognition. Ira Wentworth, Superintendent of Indian Valley Local School District, has been selected for the Ohio Superintendent Outstanding Performance Award. The award is presented by Martha Holden Jennings Foundation. Wentworth was nominated by Indian Valley Board of Education President Francis Machetti, along with the prestige of achieving the award. The Martha Holden Jennings Foundation also provides $10,000 grant to the district in his name. Cleveland.com reports that Asher says leaving Chagrin Falls High School for a new job will be bittersweet. 
When Chagrin Falls High School Principal Monica Asher starts her new position as principal at Olentangy Orange High School, she'll be employed by the fastest growing school district in Ohio. According to Olentangy Local School website, the Olentangy Board of Education approved Asher's hiring on May 12. She begins her duties at the school in Lewis Center near Columbus on August the 1st. On May 18th, the Chagrin Falls Board of Education accepted Asher's resignation effective July 31st. Gus Hockton Tribune reports that uh, senior spotlight being held to higher expectations pushed me. Gage Summers said it wasn't easy going to Riverview when his father, Dalton Summers, was a superintendent, but he eventually came to see it as a positive thing. Quote, now I know being held to higher expectations pushed me to be who I am today. It helped me to succeed more in the school aspect of things. I was able to put my best effort forward when it came to schooling. Gage plans to attend Bluffton University this fall to play soccer and enter into the pre-physical therapy program. He then wants to earn his doctorate in physical therapy at Wash University. Ohio Spectrum News 1 reports that how one school district is navigating food insecurity inflation to provide free meals to students in the summer. Food Service Supervisor with Parma City Schools, Bob Gorman, said for some students, the end of the school year is a cause of concern. He said the 2022 summer feeding program begins June 13th and students can expect a variety of meals. Feeding America reported summer is the hungriest time of the year for 22 million children who usually eat at school. Gorman said this is why the district provides free meals to schools over the break. This year we're going to be feeding at three schools, Thorough Park, John Muir, and Ridge Brook. Cleveland ABC 5 reports that Avon Lake Lunch Lady finds a healing way to spread kindness. There are a bunch of ways we can help spread kindness and sparks, sparks smiles. One school employee in Avon Lake is using and peeling a way to brighten the day of her students. Sitting on milk crates inside the kitchen at Troy Intermediate School, cook Tammy Johnson uses black marker to write inspirational messages on bananas handed out to students at lunch. The Lyman News reports the Spartan Ride keeps kids reading over summer. As summer school ends, the, Ly the Lima City Schools are hoping the Spartan Ride bus will become a familiar and welcome sight to students and parents. Each summer, when students are out of school, there is a drop-off in learning. Students might regress in their skills when in need, um, when which then in need to be addressed when the schools convene again in August. Laura Wells, who is in charge of Title I and federal programs, explained that the purpose of the Spartan Ride, quote, our goal is to just let, get out in the community. We've got free books and different things to help fill those learning gaps over the summer. So our goal is to give them materials on all different subject matters, give them some things to work on over the summer so they stay sharp for the next school year. 
It works well on a rainy day when parents are looking for something to do. There are some things that kids can work on for a little bit. Columbus Fox 28 reports Columbus City Schools are creating a home library for students. Columbus City Schools had a scholastic book celebration Wednesday at Berwick Alternative Pre-K to 8 school as part of a new initiative. The goal is to encourage summer reading and to make sure every student has a collection of books in their home. CCS partnering with Scholastic Education Solutions to get students the books and create a home library for them. Quote, we have been able to provide all of our students with up to 25 books in grades pre-K through 8th grade and 5 novels for all of our ninth through 12th graders. Kelly Rivers, Executive Director of Specialized Instruction at Columbus City Schools said, and Lima, your hometown station TV, reports that Lima City School alum honored for his dedication to students by the Lima City School Board. A downtown Lima businessman is recognized by the Lima City School Board and his support of the district. Vibe Coffee House and cafe owner Carlton McLellan received the Ohio School Board's Association Business Honor Roll Award. The award is handed out to individuals, individuals who have shown commitment to students at Lima City Schools. McClellan has extended his business space to the district for student projects such as the DECA Marketplace and Safe Place for students to spend time. He has also supported educational programs in the classroom such as Closing the Achievement Gap Program. The Youngstown Vindicator reports that Youngstown students tore capital. As East High School junior Lanita Elise Savage took in the enormity of the Freedom Wall, the importance of certain privileges our country enjoys came to the forefront in her mind. The fully funded Traveling American History Experience is a courtesy program called Classroom to Capital, which was launched March of 2021 to enhance underserved students' critical thinking abilities and help them learn and appreciate the value of civic engagement and encourage them to enter public life or at least be more knowledgeable citizens, Chris Stanley, President and Executive Director, noted. So this comes to our last news story from the Lima News. Uh, Spencerville FFA earned state awards. The Spencerville FFA chapter attended the 94th Annual State FFA Convention at the Ohio Expo Center in Columbus on May 5th and 6th. The Gold Medal Chapter Award was given to Spencerville FFA, and only 10% of the FFA chapters in the state are awarded this award. The Spencerville FFA also had eight students receive their state degrees. The state degree is only awarded to 2% of FFA members nationwide. This year's state degree recipients were Dominic Atkins, Megan Ballman, Emma Kaur, Naya Hodge-Miller, Ryan Caverman, Kaylee Kimmett, Emmy Prime, and Ethan Smith. Secretary Megan Ballman and Treasurer Emma Kaur 
also both received a gold rating on their officer books and were recognized for their work. So congratulations to all of them. Well, that brings us to the end of another show. Join me every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And join join Barbara Bolin every Sunday by 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for her show on civil rights. And remember to check out our radio.newheightseducation.org for all of our past shows on many different topics. And, of course, our website at newheightseducation.org. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.